Welcome to Public Domain Video Theater presented by the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, today we're going to bring you an episode of Man Behind the Badge. It's Season 2, Episode 11, original air date February 12th, 1955, and the title is The Case of the Dying Past. is arrested, accused of committing a crime. The police have done their part well, but the work of bringing this man to justice is still to come. Hello, I'm Charles Bickford. Every court in the United States has in attendance an official whose job is known by several names. In some places, he's the district attorney. In others, he's known as the state's attorney or the prosecutor. But whatever his title, the man who sits in this chair is one who is feared by a defendant charged with a crime. For it's the duty of the prosecutor to represent the people of his commonwealth, to enforce observance of the criminal laws, and to proceed against persons who break them. In the true story you're about to see, you will meet such a man at work, defending the innocent and prosecuting the guilty. This is Lawrence H. Deshaw. Former state's attorney, Chittenden County, state of Vermont. Tonight's man behind the badge. Chittenden County, Vermont. It has 543 square miles, a population of 62,000 people, and one state's attorney. His job is as varied as that of a country doctor. For Lawrence Deshaw finds he must handle everything from an argument between two neighbors to a violation of the state's maple products law. For the people of his community, Lawrence Deshaw is the keeper of public conscience, with the patience of a Job and the wisdom of a Solomon. For several days now, anonymous letters have been coming into his office, letters all bearing the same complaint. As part of his job, the state's attorney must now begin an investigation. A money lender? Who said that about me? Who's been coming to you with a pack of lies? There have been several letters, Mr. Warren. All practically the same. They say that you've been running a loan business. You've been charging interest as high as 20%. Have you been lending money? To a few, yes. But not like your letters say. The law requires a license, Mr. Warren. What interest have you been charging? I don't keep records. As a matter of fact, I don't charge any interest. If you don't believe me, find the brave people who wrote the letters. You'll see through their lies. Why should these people lie, Mr. Warren? Because of what they are. Don't you know the people in your own county? What they're like, how they live? I suppose I should. I've been one of them all my life. But you don't know how really different they are. You don't know the way things used to be in this county. Here, in my shop. You can find all the proof you need. This saddle. 
Where can you find work like this anymore? And this rig seat. And this whip. When's the last time anyone bought one? Even used one. The people have changed. The world has changed. It's not a man who's important now or what he can do with his hands. It's a machine that runs people. Tells them what to do. Strong men have gone. The men who took this county and cleared the rocks from the land. Who sold the grain. And what about my place? No one comes in here anymore. Not like they used to. Clyde Warren shot. Who didn't know me? Who didn't know the things I made? I despise this new kind of world and everyone who helped make it. It's soft and it's weak. And I want nothing to do with it. People don't depend on themselves anymore. They're half dead from crying and running. That's why you got those letters. Not one of them is man enough to come in and accuse me to my face. There's still the law, Mr. Warren. If you're lending money at an illegal rate, I'll have to bring a charge of usury against you. I don't see how you can, Mr. Deshaw. Seeing there's no witness against me. Perhaps. But I'll do my best and try to find one. All the next day, the state's attorney has been on the phone, trying to track down the writers of the anonymous letters. He must determine if there's any substance to the charges made against Clyde Warren, a strange man who still clings to the traditions of a world that has long since passed. We just had a call about Clyde Warren. Yes. He's dead. You didn't know Clyde Warren. Whatever he said, you did. Yes, I came down today, same as usual. Well, I thought he was in the bag. And then... Do you see anyone leaving the shop? No. All right, Mrs. Butler, you can go on home now. We'll be by later. Uh, Chief, have Paul drive Mrs. Butler home, will you? Yesterday, State's Attorney Deshaw had been here investigating a routine complaint. Today, it was different. The crime had been a violent one. Twelve blows, the medical examiner had reported, each one hard enough to kill. The possibility of robbery could have been a motive, but now must be ruled out as the State's Attorney finds the dead man's money belt with enough money in it to open a small-sized bank. Money belt. Is that Warren's? Yeah. 
Whoever emptied his pockets overlooked it. Quite a lot of capital for a man to be carrying around. That is, unless he intended using it. Money lending. This practically proves it. The one who killed him knew he had a lot of cash around. Came in. Warren resisted and was beaten down. No, no, it's... It's too vicious a beating for a hold-up. The person that did this was in a frenzy. Could have been motivated by anger. Our revenge... Perhaps it was someone who felt that Warren had cheated him. Well, whatever it is, we can be sure of one thing. What's that? It's all tied in with his money lending. That's the only trail we can follow. He must have kept records of some kind. Let's see what we can find. State's Attorney Deshaw looks for the evidence he needs. For names of people victimized by Clyde Warren's usury. People with a motive for murder. Deshaw went to the one place where he felt he could find it. To Clyde Warren's room. But a man who lived so vigorously must have left a past. Must have left a trail through the years. You uh, have been looking for quite some time. You find what you're looking for, Mr. Deshaw? Not yet, Mrs. Butler. Well, I cleaned his room every day. Well, not that I really had to. Everything was always put away. Yes. You're sure there's nothing I can do? There don't seem to be any bags around, any luggage. Did he have any? Would you know? Yes. He has a trunk. Where? Put downstairs in the cellar. Take a look, Chief. I'll keep going through the room. Mind showing it to me, Mrs. Butler? Well, not at all. What's keeping Lawrence Deshaw in this room? Somewhere there has to be a clue to his murderer. And what better place to look than here? For this was no ordinary room. It was a place out of time. It was a memory held in place by a closed door. State's Attorney Deshaw looks around the room and he can feel that something is missing. Here is a room where a man had lived, had spent his leisure hours, and yet something seemed wrong. There was something missing. No radio, no television. Nothing to keep Clyde Warren in touch with the world around him. Only a memento to keep him tied to yesterday. A man is what he reads. Clyde Warren's small library was well-thumbed. Good books, written in a style which pleased the tastes of the early 1900s. so I can say the things I have to. I came to you for money, and you gave me what I needed. I promised I'd pay you back, and I will. But my husband doesn't know where I got the money to pay for his business. I told him it was from a friend. Mr. Warren, I just can't pay this month like I promised. I just can't. If you go to my husband like you said, and tell him those lies about there being something between you and me, I'm afraid what would happen. I never told him I was your housekeeper once. Lying won't get your money for you, Mr. Warren. What kind of a man are you to bleed people for a few miserable dollars and ruin their lives? Are you not going to ruin mine, Mr. Warren? 
Stay away from my husband. He's too sick to be tortured. Stay away or I'll stop you so you'll never hurt anyone again. I found it in that trunk. A whole ledger full of names of people who owed him money. And take a look at these interest rates. He was coining a mint. Talk about usury. Take a look at this too, Chief. There's no signature. But whoever wrote it must have her name in this ledger. That's it then. We narrow down this list until we find her. But that won't make her a murderer. Everyone in this ledger had the identical motive to kill Clyde Warren. Which one did? Being all the names in Clyde Warren's ledger is a big one. State's Attorney Lawrence Deshaw instructs Chief Dawson to check all alibis as thoroughly as possible. Deshaw himself will try to find the woman who wrote the threatening letter. A letter which in itself contains the clue to her identity. Miss Housekeeper. Why, that's funny. I mean that you should ask me about her. Why's that? Why, I saw her today. First time in months since she quit Mr. Warren and went to be married to a man in Barry. She was here in town? I was going into Mr. Warren's shop and I saw her across the street. I called out her name, but she didn't hear me. Are you sure it was her? Why, that was only across the street. Why are you asking about her, Mr. Dishaw? Just that she might be able to help me. What's her name, Miss Butler? Ada. Ada Lowell. Uh, that's her maiden name. I didn't know the man. Where was she married? In Barry. Poor Ada. Beg pardon? I mean, that must be a big shock to her. Yes, it, it must be. By the end of the next day, Ada Lowell's married name and new address had been found. City officials in Barry had supplied the information, but now the state's attorney's problem was to question her without endangering her husband's health. Deshaw arranged to meet her the next morning at a friend's home. Yes, sir. I wrote that letter. But I didn't mean anything by it. I just wanted him to stay away from my husband. He was a devil. And I'm glad he's dead. He never caused anything but trouble and misery. He had no feeling for people. Why should we have any for him now? Why did you go near his place two days ago? I... I didn't. Well, you were seen, Mrs. Beckley. It'd be better if you told the truth. You're not being accused of anything. Well, well, I was going in, I admit it. Only I didn't. There was someone else in there with him. Someone else? Yes. Oh, I, I know I should have told the police when I heard he was dead. But I was scared that you'd find my letter. That you'd blame me. Who was in the shop? Well, it must have been the man you're looking for. The one who killed Mr. Warren. Well, why is that, Mrs. Beckley? Well, because... Mrs. Butler went in right then, and she's the one who found the body. You're certain? I know it. You see, Mrs. Butler was the last one to go in. I saw her as I walked away, but I made believe I didn't. She started to scream the minute she went into the shop. What? I don't know what happened to the man who was with Mr. Warren. Maybe he got out the back way, but he's the one, nobody else. Don't 
Don't you see? I see a few things, Mrs. Beckley, and I'm sorry about all of them. I believed your letter when I read it. You were in a lot of trouble. But I knew that I'd have to find you. Frankly, I was hoping that you could tell me a better story. It's not a story. It's what happened. I'd, I'd like to substantiate it if I can, Mrs. Beckley. Can't you tell me a little more, like uh, what the man in the shop looked like? I didn't see his face. He wore a red mask and a red cap. That's all I know. Very well, Mrs. Beckley, that'll be all for now. I suggest that you stay as close to home as possible. I'll, I'll probably need you again. A man with a red Mackinac and a red cap. It's hard to believe. You'd like to, but how can he? Ada Beckley is a woman with all the motive in the world. This man she saw, does he exist in reality or in her imagination? I've been waiting for her to come back. Any luck with Mrs. Beckley? Nothing one way or the other. She's still a suspect. We've almost finished with the names in Warren's ledger. Most everyone has an alibi. But take a look at this. What is it? Man in the building back of Warren's shop went up on the roof to fix his chimney this morning. Found these in the snow on the roof. What's so funny? A red Mackinac and cap. You know about them. Ada Beckley claims that she saw someone in Warren's shop wearing these just before the killing. Whoever it was knows he was seen. He probably hid these on the roof next door, figuring it wouldn't be found till spring, and the snow melted. Yet the man walking in this weather without a coat, that's downright foolish. Everyone would be sure to notice him. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're right. All right, then. He didn't walk in the street. It's obvious that he lived right near the harness shop. In a place he could get back to using uh, back alleys and yards. Chief, get Warren's ledger back in here right away. When we find out who lives near the shop, we'll have a lead that can't miss. Of the many people in debt to Clyde Warren, only one lives within an area of just two blocks to the harness shop in a house which could easily have been reached without using the streets nearby. The suspect's name is Carl Wingate. He is 23 years old. His occupation is that of a mill worker. He is married, but currently is separated from his wife. Yeah, I borrowed money from Clyde Warren. There weren't many people who'd give it to me. Guess I had no choice. Carl, your Mackinac and your cap, where are they? My Mackinac? If you do own a red Mackinac, I've asked some people on your street. Oh, sure, yeah, I, I own one. I didn't say no. I own a cap, too. May I see them? Well, they're not here. I, I loaned them to a friend of mine last week. Why do you ask about them? We know one thing about Mr. Warren's murderer, Carl. He was wearing a Mackinac. A red one. And a cap. Just a minute, Mr. Deshaw. This is wrong. Sure, I own that coat. I said so, but I loaned it to Tom McKellar last week and I didn't get it back yet. Look, he's got it, so ask him, not me. Tom 
Keller is a name well known to both the state's attorney and the police chief. He is only 20 years old, but he has the criminal record of an older man. He, too, is now a suspect. Well, sure, I borrowed the Mackinac, but I gave it back. The cap, too. When was this? Last week. Look, what Sit are you down, Tom. Two days ago, Tom, at one o'clock, where were you? One o'clock? I don't know. Try to remember. It's quite important. I was up to a friend's place, near the county line. And he can back you up. Well, he wasn't home. I see. You might as well get this straight, son. Clyde Warren was killed by a man wearing a red Mackinac and cap. The clothes were traced to Carl Wingate. But he says that you still got them. Me? No, he's lying. I gave him back. I... Anyone see you give them back? No, I, I, I don't think so. Then you can't prove that you did. Look, give me a Bible. I'll swear on it. Mr. Deshaw, you've gone after me when I broke the law. Okay, I took what was coming to me, but I didn't break no law now. I didn't kill no man. You got to prove I didn't. You got to find the truth. What's the answer for Lawrence Deshaw? One of these men is innocent. The other, guilty. He knows there is only one way to find out. To return to the scene of the crime itself. To force the murderer to identify himself. Now, what are we doing here? Come on, tell him the truth, Wingate. Tell him. I already have. You never gave me back my coat. I did. You right? two don't have to settle this. It's being done for you. What do you mean? Man who murdered Mr. Warren was seen in this shop by a woman who stood in that doorway. Just where she is now. What's the matter, Carol? Nothing. Why'd you turn away? He did it. He's afraid to look at it. But me, I'll face anybody. The man who hid the coat on the roof knew he was seen. Was that why you turned away, Carl? It was just a mistake. It was all a mistake. It was you in there, wasn't it, Carl? You've got no proof. You're the proof, Carl. What did Warren do when you came in here? I didn't know it would end that way. Tell us, Carl. Tell us. I just wanted to talk to him. To talk to him. What did Warren say? I never should have come here. Never. Never. Mr. Warren. I'll need a little more time. You've had it. I said I'd go to your employer if you didn't bring it. Well, maybe you don't keep your word, but I do. Look, you can't do that. I'll lose my job. Then give me my money. But, Mr. Warren, it's my wife. See, she left me. I'm trying to get her to come back. Wingate, I don't want your troubles. I just want my money. Look, you got to understand. You see... If she finds out that I borrowed money from you, or I'm liable to lose my job, then she'll never come back. You should have thought of that before. What kind of a man are you, anyway? Get your hands off me. If you were half a man, you wouldn't come in here on your knees whining like a half-grown dog. You'd get that money somehow. You'd learn to depend on yourself and no one else. You can't live by yourself, Mr. Warren. Sometimes a man needs help. I never did. But you and the others just like you... You don't know what it means to stand alone. You're cowards. No, we're decent people, but you wouldn't know what that means. The trouble with you is you're an old man that doesn't belong anymore, so you try to take it out on us. You're finished, Mr. Warren. All they have to do is to bury you. You little brat. You ought to be horsewhipped for that. 
There's a person this time in which you were dead. Why do you... He was no good. He should have died long ago. I was right, wasn't I? No man can make that decision, Carl. No one in the whole world. After hearing the state's case, the jury trying Carl Wingate returned a verdict of guilty. And he's now serving his term in the Vermont State Prison. These were part of the evidence used by State's Attorney Deshaw in this case. But they were only a part. The balance of his case came from careful and intensive investigation. For this is a major part of any prosecutor's job. And it's carried on by all of them everywhere as they seek to serve the cause of justice. And now this is Charles Bickford inviting you to be with us next week. For once again, you will see another authentic story of one whose duty it is to serve. A public servant dedicated to you. And whom you will meet as the man behind the badge. Welcome back. Well, I enjoyed the small town setting, and uh, it was definitely a case where it made sense for uh, the state's attorney to be so involved in the investigation. I think in a lot of uh, old-time radio, as well as movies and television, uh, oftentimes the district attorney takes on this you know ridiculous role in a big city with cases where you're like, the, the district attorney would probably not investigate that. Here it totally made sense. Uh, of course you had a town full of suspects. I mean, I actually kind of thought my first suspicion was of the landlady. Uh, you know, just the way she talked about him. Because she was really trying to be nice. Uh, but it was clear that even while she was shocked and actually genuinely saddened about his death, that he was a difficult person to deal with. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. 
Join us back here next time for another episode of Public Domain Video Theater. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And if you like these videos, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.